Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show on this episode of Distilled Discussions, the foremost podcast destination for everything alcohol, particularly the magical elixir that is bourbon. We will be discussing everything for roses. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, my and Andy's personal favorite aspect of the show, the tastings. And of course, with me as always is my wise and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how are you doing this week? Uh, other than some technology issues and wanting to destroy my computer, not bad. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah, we, yeah, we actually actually had some glitches today because uh, for the you know those of you listening and those of you who have listened to the first four episodes of the show, we've actually switched studios. Yeah. And uh, of course, for those of you who have been following Axiom News Network for a while, uh, we and, and some of our other podcasts, like all of those, you know, we're all all of those recorded. Finally on, got new digs. Yeah, those were all recorded on. A, yeah, those were all recorded on a different studio and in, in a different studio. And uh, now we are, uh, you know, we finally moved. We are the uh, the Joe Rogans of the <laughs> bourbon podcasting world. I don't know if you know uh, what Joe Rogan actually just moved from L.A. to Texas. I didn't see that he'd done that. He's new studio. Yeah, yeah. So he moved from L.A. to Austin, Texas. Completely new city, <laughs> state, uh, new studio. Everything. And they had some technical issues early on. Um, but yes, yeah, so we are just like Joe Rogan. Of course, <laughs> we'll be just as big as him in, in the bourbon <laughs> Hopefully world. just as big as him, yeah. Uh, hey, okay, Andy, before we get started, why don't you pour me a glass of this Buffalo, or not Buffalo Trace, Four, four Roses. roses. Yeah, Come I, uh, on now. We did I, Buffalo Trace, what, four or five episodes ago? I know. I just, I think Joe Rogan's constantly drinking Four Roses, so I think because I was talking about him, I had it on the mind. Um, but yes, uh, we are, uh, yeah, we're ready to uh, go here. I, you know, I really am excited. I want to let everyone know that with the studio is not completely set up yet. We are the mm-hmm. sound quality and for at least the next, I would say one to maybe two weeks, it's not going to be perfect. We, we, we have a uh, still adjusting. Yeah. We haven't completely set the studio up. It's a little echoey in the room, but we're, we're going to be working on that. And, and we'll, you'll see drastic improvements in the near future. We are really excited about the studio though. It's going to oh, be yeah. a really nice, a really nice setup. Once we're finally done, hopefully get a, a video aspect set up eventually. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, of course we'll be keeping you guys all updated on that. I'm very excited about where I moved to a new house that, and I have the studio yeah. set up in the new that's house. That's the biggest news. Right. I yes, think of the day. That, that's why we uh, have a new studio. And, uh, I'm actually very excited because the house, it was actually built during prohibition. So Ooh. it's a very old house, very much, uh, kind of has a connection there to a big part of history where, uh, drinking was forbidden, but still was very prevalent. Um, kind so of really, underground. Yeah. So really cool stuff there. So I, I, Andy and I have our four, our four roses poured now. And, uh, you guys, of course, will be having a more formal tasting towards the end of the episode. Uh, but feel free to pour yourself a drink, uh, follow along with us, whether you want to drink four roses or whatever it may be, get, you know, get some whiskey, drink get, a choice. get something. Yeah. Drink a choice, hopefully four roses. Um, but whatever it may be, uh, pour yourself a drink and uh, follow along with us guys. Cause you know, four roses has, has a great history and we're really excited for this episode. So, Andy, yeah. why don't you tell the folks out there a little bit about the Four Roses Distillery? Yeah, so there's a there's a few kind of different stories that allegedly happened with when it um, first was founded, when it first started up, uh, first started distilling everything. But the official story, at least that Four Roses and their parent company, uh, Kieran, mm-hmm. go by, is that their uh, founder, John Paul Jones Jr., uh, sat there about 1884. That's the day I've heard, at least. Uh, founded the distillery out on Whiskey Row and then later moved out to their new Frankfurt, um, kind of neat Frankfurt, Kentucky, kind of near Lawrenceburg University in Kentucky, their uh, location or their main location there, at least. Uh, it really does have one of the more. 
um, interesting histories out of the major bourbon brands when we talk about some kind of yeah. controversies that go around with it. Just some really uh, crazy um, switching of hands as far as ownership is yeah. concerned. There's, yeah, Being there's only some sold stuff. in certain countries. There's a lot of interesting stuff we're going to yeah. get into. And I think so it, was, uh, it really does have one of the most interesting and, and kind of diverse histories oh, yeah. of all the bourbon brands. Yeah. Uh, I also want to real quick say uh, cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. We forgot to um, yeah, t- yeah. start off the show with uh, our cheers and our drinks. Yeah. So, and you guys take a sip. I know you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they uh, started in about 1884, but around 1910 moved to their current location out in Frankfort, Kentucky. Around 1922 is when they purchased the um, Frankfort Distilling Company, and that's what they originally went by. That's the name, at least, that I know of that they originally went by. Yeah. Um. There's, and then they ended actually, up. I, and sorry to cut you off. I just want to say, you know, one of the reasons I was mentioning how entering the his, interesting the history was is that there's actually some controversy about the founding of the of the brand and of the distillery. Yeah. You know, there, by some accounts, they actually people will argue that Rufus uh, Rufus Rose uh, was the was was the original yeah. founder, uh, and, and that, that might have been the original origin behind the name. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Of course, Karen Brewery, the owner of Four Roses, as you alluded to previously, they do not mention in their uh, origin story that Rufus Rose uh, existed. existed or was a part, had any kind of history or role in, in the distillery. Um, they refer to, as you said, Paul Jones Jr. as the founder of the brand. Yeah, so really and, some kind of interesting uh, back and forth there. Yeah, and, and it kind of like their dates on when they really started were kind of muddy a bit too because... Right. Jones Jr. sits here and says, well, I trademarked the name in 1884, but I've been at least recipes, everything like that, going back to like the 1860s. Right, yeah. So it's kind of a little bit of he should, he said, she said on what the actual story is. I don't, I haven't heard anybody that actually knows, but that's what, that's the story that Kieran and Four Roses go by. And what did you say the original uh, name of the story was? It, w- it was um, Frankfurt Distilling Company. Okay. Is they purchased that brand and that distillery back in... Around the 1920s. Okay. And um, they weren't actually... Oh, yeah, actually, Yeah. They weren't... I don't think they were actually operating during Prohibition. Right. But... They did not, yeah. Yeah, they did not. But their main brand under Frankfurt Distilling Company was Four Roses Bourbon. Or that's at that time, at least, what they were most famous for mm-hmm. was that. And the name, that Four Roses name comes from, according to Paul Jones Jr., in the official story that they go by... He asked a woman out to a ball, like a grand ball, or basically like old form of asking her out or mm-hmm. proposed to her. Um, and she answered that basically, if she was, if her answer were to be yes, that at the next grand ball or whatever in that area that they were going to be having, she would wear this corsage of four roses. And so that's where you see, like, they're on their labels that bush or that um, thing of four roses there on the label. Of course. And even of course some of, goes with the name yeah. as well. And, yeah. And even, like, some of their branded glasses, that, like, you can get at the distillery and everything, they have that kind of notched into the, um, that emblem notched into the glasses. And it's, and again, more, a little more controversy. I, you, I've heard accounts uh, claiming that the, the, the distillery was originally the, uh, I believe it's pronounced the old Prentice distillery. I haven't heard that. Right. I, so I haven't heard and, that. And, and name, it goes but, back and forth. You know, there's yeah. all kinds of, uh, uh, back and forth again about that. Um, but yeah, it's a very, you know, that they've been at that location for about a hundred years. Yeah. Now. 100, 110 years now. Um, 
Tell not us, including tell us a little not bit about in, that location there. Yeah, so that location is actually very, very good. Is one of the um, nicer ones, in my opinion. Uh, they're Lawrenceburg, actually. Actually, I was wrong. It's not Frankfurt. It's Lawrenceburg. I was thinking of another uh, distillery. Gotcha. Um, but they, but the Four Roses yeah. purchased the Frankfurt distillery. Yeah, they company. purchased. That's I think where I was coming. Where right, I was thinking yeah. that. But their Lawrenceburg location um, is a national historic landmark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and I was at their tasting room, and I think part of their because they have like some of their bottling and aging off at a different location, so they'll actually do all the distilling and um, making of the bourbon in Lawrenceburg. And then I'm trying to remember Cox's Creek or Cox's Co- Hill. Yeah, Cox's Creek, Kentucky. Um, co- yeah, they take it there via um, giant, like, semi. Like, you, the ones that, like, the tanker trucks yeah. that you kind of see. They'll take it via those out to the Cox's Creek there. So it's all in do, one container? Is that how you're describing it? With the yeah, like, truck? well, they take it to the tanker truck. Well, they pump it into the tanker truck right. for actual transportation over there gotcha. to Cox's Creek, if I remember correctly. And that's where they then dump it out into the barrels Which for is maturation. A, right. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 uh, yeah, they do the aging and bottling over there in Cox's yeah. Creek, uh, about 45 minutes from the, something from like the that, I think. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, right. Like you said, it's on the national register of historic places, uh, built there in Lawrenceburg night around 1910. They go, you know, it's funny. You, in, you mentioned that you thought it was one of the nicer ones. That's one of the ones you really yeah. like a lot. I mean, they're vis- I, I was only able to see their visitor center part of it, gotcha. but it, it was a, on the tour, at least that I went on for the bourbon trail, but it was very good. Um, visitor center. I mean, they had like a, the, the tour I did there actually had a, um, or the part of it that I did, they actually had a, um, it was just like tasting, going over like what their process, their mash bills, all that stuff. Talking yeah. about kind of like what their, their history a little bit. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was interesting because you got to see like some of their, at least some of their older labels and older, uh, bottles cool yeah that didn't have product in yeah, it anymore it's right there uh like you said in lawrenceburg not we it's right by uh pretty pretty relatively close to um like wild turkey which we already yeah talked, we already recorded an episode on them buffalo no, trace too fairly yeah, close there not too far from woodford which we're going to be doing next week um really yeah really nice area like you said mm-hmm. i'm not a big fan again i've never been but i've done a lot of research i've done a lot of uh looking at the images i'm not a big fan because like i said it was built in 1910 with it was built with this mainly like a spanish mission style architecture yeah. that i'm really just not and that that's a big the fan main of. yeah and that one well, that's the main reason they're a national historic landmark is mm-hmm. because of that um that Spanish style mission of, style, yeah, yeah that it was created in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in the rolling hills. It's got some, you know, super tall trees, but um, and it, it's a very classical look, but it's classical kind of uh, like in a different would, way, like what you would say it's see in Spain, basically. Yeah. You know? um, so, but it, it's unique, very, it's very unique in that that in that style. But again, I'm just not. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't get. It doesn't do it for me, Andy. I'm not a yeah. big fan of the architecture. No. But again, I've it's, never. It's been, not for everybody. So. I mean, when I went, it. When I went, I liked it, but like I said, I didn't get to see everything about it, so I can't. Kind of that. Uh, it's kind of, kind of kind of got that Spanish like yellow um, siding, like the, yeah, like the. It's kind of like the like almost looks like Stanford University almost with the style bit, kind of yeah sign there where that kind of got that similar style roofing, uh, like that old clay uh, style roofing. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a unique, cool look, but it's just like you said, it's, it's not for it's everybody. A, it's a different look that might not be for everybody. Right. Yeah, definitely, but uh, very very unique. Um, yeah, so let, yeah, let's go a little bit into the history. Yeah, so the history here. for them kind of saying, as we were saying before, a little bit kind of he said, she said, and what's the true story. But um, kind of picking up after that, they had, through about the 30s through 50s or 60s, 
I really actually kind of up until the 90s or so, they had just a really, really rough history. I mean, it was something of, at least through the 30s through 60s, roughly after, after Prohibition, they just did not sell well. They weren't doing well in the United States. Um it was something. Actually, it was, for a while there, they weren't even being sold. Yeah, in the it, it, it was something. Exactly, it was something that it, it got to the point where their owners at the time decided, "Listen, this isn't selling the U.S. We're just going to ship this off to uh, Europe and Asia, primarily Japanese market in right. Asia, yeah. where it was a huge hit." Yeah, there they, and they and they focused a lot specifically on those markets because at the time they were they were it was like they, their they biggest were growing markets. immensely. They were very yeah. quickly growing. And the, at least the Japanese like loved it. Yeah, as a whiskey, it was sold there. Uh, it was it was owned there, I should say, by Singram in Can- the Canadian company. Uh, you know, Singram yeah, Gin. Yeah, they had like fifty thousand different labels. Got a lot of different labels. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they, they eventually discontinued the sale of Four Roses uh, in the uh, in the late fifties. There, excuse me. Yeah, because again, it, they just didn't. They you know they it didn't committed sell well. to it. It wasn't selling well, and and again, it's not just that they have a very controversial history. They have a very adverse history. They you know yeah, they had a lot of struggle uh, a lot. Yeah, exactly. A lot of struggles that they had to. Um, uh, to overcome, uh, actually, they you know it's funny. Their Synchrom uh, was they they were after it. I should say when it was not being sold in the U.S., it was still being sold. It just wasn't being sold as we could we couldn't four get, roses yeah. in the U.S. It they was had, other names and stuff under other names and stuff. It's kind of more like a mixing whiskey or like a blend, right, something to yeah. blend into other stuff. Exactly. So they used the four roses name, but they it was a blended whiskey, which basically they were mixing it with a natural with like natural with I should say neutral grain spirits. So it was basically kind of like a. Um, it was kind of like a whiskey flavored vodka mix type at the time, and that was basically all they were Light selling whiskey. in the states, which really wasn't Four Roses, yeah. like, even though they were using the Four Roses name, and uh, and it really just they didn't have the respect anymore because it was it just wasn't seen seen by most people or a lot of people a as, a, as a premium brand respectable brand anymore. Yeah. Some people thought it was actually better because they liked that uh, like unique different style of uh, that of that product. But most people were like, "This is not bourbon. This is not real bourbon. This is not Kentucky straight bourbon. This is not what we want." Yeah. When it comes it, to you know what exactly. Four Roses traditionally was. Yeah, and so it really wasn't until about the late '90s that some of their people started thinking like, "Wait, we should try and bring this back to the U.S." Right. And it wasn't until Kieran bought them back in '02 that they're like, "You know what? We're bringing it back to the states. We're gonna do it." Yeah. It's kind of like. You know, LeBron returning to Cleveland, like had a bit of a rough patch there, but then Kieran uh, brings him back and they're ever since they've been doing very, very well. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're one of the more at the affordable price ranges, or at least they're one of the more affordable, um, afford, not only affordable, but recognizable names oh, out for, there. For sure. Yeah. Curran discontinued the sale of that blended whiskey to focus exclusively on the Four Roses Straight Bourbon. Yeah. Thank God they did that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 the company is still uh, not owned. Like it's been traded hands so many times, it's still not owned by an American company, even though it is based in America. Yeah. I'm not crazy about that. I prefer bourbons that are owned by American companies. I mean, don't get me but, wrong. Four yeah. Roses is still American operated and still cre- creates American jobs, and it's still a great product that yeah. Americans love. Um, but you know, I do love. I do prefer a lot of bourbons, or I like. Yeah. You know, I like a lot of bourbons that are made. Uh, and, yeah, and owned but by companies that are in the U.S. That's a lot of kind of what's happening, though, with bourbons is like those big conglomerates, as we kind of discussed a little bit in other ones, like uh, Beam Suntory, Diageo, all those people have just been buying up all the big brands. Right, yeah, there's it. just these multinational uh, corporations that are just all kind of... All those conglomerates that'll just have like 
30 different brands that they just market worldwide. Right. And it, it helped. I mean, it helps the brands for sure. Cause they don't have to do deal with the marketing. All they yeah. have to do is do what they know best, making great product. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're still fighting. They're, they're still, you know, they're still doing uh, very well, like you said. And, and even though they've had one of the most adverse histories uh, of, of any major bourbon brand, uh, you know, they really overcame a litany of, um, Early uh, just, troubles. Yeah, there. a lot of per, just pernicious obstacles, and they did it for decades and decades and decades. Where they had issue yeah. like people going back and forth, fighting over it, changings of hands, yeah. uh, not being sold for forty years in the U.S. And then here they are back in the U.S. and they're still one of the top best like brands. You said, yeah, everyday whiskeys. It's pretty impressive, and you have to even if you don't like. I said I don't really like the architecture. I'm not crazy that it's not about, it's not American owned. But when you look at the product. And you look at it's, what they've overcome. How can you not respect yeah. what they've done? Yeah, you have I mean, the to. product speaks for itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's something good. I mean, they really only, at least in the U.S., they only have four uh, bourbons. Unlike something else, like some of these other brands that might have like two or three, maybe four main bourbons, and then, you know, a whole host of like different liqueurs based on their stuff, or you know, like have like thirty different product lines that they do. They've just said, we know the four that we want to do. We're gonna make them well. So, what are the what are like the processes they go through in making those? Uh, like, tell us a little bit about the the mash bill and the, and the yeah. how they go through their process of so, distilling. So, they're distilling. I mean, much like any other bourbon, um, same pretty much the same process of what any bourbon would be. But their mash bill is a little bit different in how they do it. In that they have they have two different mash bills that they do, and then five different yeast strains, which combines for ten different possible flavor combinations that they really want. And then, of course, they'll blend those combinations into creating the, at least for their, well, what was their yellow label now kind of is a brown, like light brown tannish label. Like a cream tan. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) uh, Label. They'll just blend those into that product. And then they have the small batch and um, single barrel. But their mash bills are, their mash bill E is a uh, 75% corn, 20 rye, 5 barley. And then the is this B- the is this the E the cream colored label? No, I I don't know exactly which one that is. Oh, um, gotcha. not off the top of my head. I'm not. I'd have to do more research on exactly like which ones because they have. Well, before I go into that, um, then their B is a sixty corn, thirty five rye, five barley. But what they do with it, they actually have some. I know at least their single barrels. They do it at the distillery. Where, like where their gift shop is that you can do some of the tours at there in Lawrenceburg. They have some uh, single barrel bottles there that will specifically say like which mash bill and which yeast strain it, it is. So they'll have like in, um, so they'll specifically list it out. And so, so that's basically what they do for the basic. But did you give the breakdown of the B of the B? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just okay. gave that the sixty corn, gotcha. thirty five yeah, yeah. rye, five barley, and then they to create just a regular tan yellow label. They just blend those together to create that to their flavor specifications that they wanted. Gotcha, gotcha. Really, where really where it matters of specific letters is the small batch or single, especially the single barrel. Makes sense. But the recipe will always be noted. That kind of gets into the next point. The recipe will always be noted by denoted by. Um, at least if it's in those single barrels, will be denoted by four letters. O, and then the yeast, or the mash bill, then S, then the yeast strain. So it'll be, the O stands for, that is produced in Lawrenceburg, then the yeast, or the mash bill will either be E or B, so that, uh, depending on the amount of rye and corn that's in it, 
and it'll be S for the straight whiskey distillation, you know, meaning it's at least two years. I think they actually go to a four or five, maybe six year old bourbon, if I remember correctly. And then the fourth letter is the um, yeast strain, which will either be V, K, O, Q, and F. And so then they'll activate. That yeah, kind of does its thing. They'll do everything distillation. Then, and like we said earlier, then it goes to Cox's Creek to actually do the maturation, barreling, aging, um, bottling, all that stuff. And yeah, then, definitely. then it's ready to be shipped out. I, I saw some interesting, uh, some interesting information about the whole uh, process, their whole distilling process. I saw they they attempt to minimize the temperature differences between barrels mm-hmm. aging at their floor level and those higher up by aging its barrels in single story warehouses. Which is yeah, we so we talked about. Um, I don't know. I believe it was maybe Makers or Old Forester who rotated their barrels. Makers Makers does the rotating of it to try and create right. as consistent of temperature variation as right, possible. Right. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was Makers, and then of course Four Roses that they do everything on a single story warehouse in order to control that. This results in a an eight degree Fahrenheit average variation amongst the barrels uh, compared to like a, you know, a 35 degree swing. That's very common in traditional multi-story warehouses, yeah. like where makers and that, and they, of course they yeah, like, uh, we like talked makers, about, they wild turkey, buffalo sure, trace. Yeah. yeah. They rotate to make sure that they are going to have a consistent, uh, you know, c- consistent uh, temperature across the board. And you know what, Andy, like with a woman, when it comes to Four Roses, you never want to ask their age. Four Roses bourbon is uh, at least five years old. The small batch is at least six, and the single barrel is at least seven. But the brand is unique in that, or you know, somewhat unique in that it really prefers not to communicate at all this info. The they age. really yeah. don't like to talk about. Uh, they really don't like to talk about uh, the ages of their yeah. bourbons. Uh, we, you can, if you look at the bottle of Four it, Roses, you can see that the signature of Master Distiller Brent Elliott is listed on the bottle. And Brent Elliott, in response to um, some criticisms about the, the you know their refusal to kind of discuss the ages. He said, quote, our approach is that a bourbon is ready when it is ready. Yeah. And that's, you know, pretty much any master distiller will say that. Um, so it's not a bad response. No, of course um, not. You know, and, and you'll see a, like a lot of bourbons will do that. Even no age statements on their, um, on their bottles. Cause that'll, that gives a little bit more, that allows them to a little bit more flexibility in what they can do with it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to that. Yeah, and, and Brent Elliott there, who I just uh, mentioned, he is very highly respected in, oh, the, yeah. in the bourbon distilling game. He and, actually won an international award last year or the year before for like blend, like master blender and master distiller. Nice, and that's not surprising. Internationally. He, he was the protege of Four Roses master distiller, uh, who w- w- was the master distiller between 95 and 2015, Jim uh, Rutledge. And who he was act- the guy responsible for convincing Kieran to kind of bring it back. Absolutely, and he actually started working for Seagram back in 1966, so he had been around forever, and then he kind of brought Brett Elliott on, and Brett Elliott and, and, uh, and, and, and Rutledge, they worked together for years, and he kind of learned his process. and Took him under his wing, brought uh, him up. Absolutely, and now Brent is, uh, like you said, he just won one of the biggest awards that a master distiller can win, and he, he he's a literal chemist, Andy. He actually is a chemist. He has a degree, yeah. and he went to school for chemistry, and now he's a chemist in the bourbon in the bourbon game. He's a chemist in you know down there t- in Kentucky, making these tinkering around, making these bourbons perfect for people like me and you to enjoy. Yeah. It's really a, a great story on multiple fronts. Yeah, I mean, it it, it definitely uh, that's something you know that it. It, it's good that they kind of have that on the back end, and that's kind of I think that helps portray into like the different mash bills and yeast strains they have. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Yeah, you mentioned earlier uh, that you thought it was a pretty uh, good price point for the quality of bourbon. Where are we sitting at for the price point? I mean, usually, at least here in Cincinnati area, we can usually find it. The uh, yellow brown label is, you know, about, depending on where I go, 20 to 25. Like I bought mine for about 22. Um, Ranges all the way up. To about 40 bucks depending on if you're getting like the small batch single barrel or right. now the new small batch select i was surprised to see that the um you know this is our i believe our fifth episode that we've done so far we've mm-hmm. been we're obviously uh big fans of bourbon and we drink it regularly i was surprised and i think maybe this is the first one that it's been this way to see that the four roses yellow brown label is actually 80 proof yeah and I yeah like they're they're one a, of the uh lower alcohol contents yeah. in it I feel like you get a lot of bourbons that are 90, 100, 104, yeah, you, 95, you know. Yeah, usually they're around, usually they typically range to about that 90 to 100, yeah. 110 proof. Yeah. So it, it was interesting for me to see that. Of course, you have the small batch at 90. But I I I mean honestly, I think it makes just as if not more smoother of a product than some other brands that are higher. Yeah, absolutely. Cuz that one's that's like what some brands will do is they'll run they'll try to run those higher proofs and they end up uh it just tastes so alcohol, so my, much of alcohol gonna, that it just, you can't get much else. Yeah, I'm going to pour myself another one because it is so smooth. And um, like you said, because of that, uh, the way they, they they structured it there. Uh, the small batch, like I said, 90 proof. Um, single barrels, clocking it at 100. Small batch select is a, is a new one. As yeah, you- that, that was, uh, that at least in the U.S. was started back last year in 2019. What is the proof <clears> on that one? That one's a 104 proof. Ooh, buddy, coming so in hot. That, that's the strongest one they sell in the U.S. I like it. It's actually, uh, it's been referred to as the fourth rose um, by some people high up in the, uh, in the in the organization there. came out, like you said, April 2019. Uh, and it was, actually, Four Roses completed a $55 million expansion project, expansion project, I should say, that coincided exactly with the official launch of the Small Batch Select. So it's kind of like a new uh first permanent addition to the distillery's lineup in 12 yeah. years. And they kind of rolled it out as a part of their big expansion and saying, yeah. we're not going anywhere. We're in fact, we're getting bigger. We're getting bigger. And there's a new anything. product as a part of that yeah. to enjoy for you people who are really looking for even, you know, even, even stronger uh, bourbon mm-hmm. at the clocking at that one Oh four. Um, and they actually, because of the, 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 the new uh, expansion there, they doubled their production capacity. They got yeah. two new buildings, new equipment, uh, they have a new, new column, everything. a new, uh, is it a doubler still, Double. I believe? Yeah, uh, doubling still. A doubling still. They got um, more fermenters. And uh, the production capacity is actually scheduled to increase from 4 million to 8 million uh, proof gallons, which is actually enough to fill more than 130,000 barrels per year. And, uh, you know, they're really going in. They're on chugging it. along. I mean, they're doing Hell good. Yeah. And the uh, the Joseph and Joseph uh, architecture firm that designed the original distillery in 1910 with those the, with those Spanish style buildings they actually came in with this expansion and uh, put in so they did some new modeling put in some new buildings uh, that to coincide with that existing Spanish mission styled structure so yeah. it goes completely uh, you know along in sync well, there perfect. with that yep. All right, Andy and everyone out there, it is time for our favorite it's part our, of yeah. the show. We're going to do a tasting. Yep. All right, everyone, let's start off by getting a good sniff of our, our bourbon here, and then uh, we'll go through the process of doing the tasting. Getting a lot of uh, like floral notes. Yeah, a little floral, a little bit of a kind of a citrus or lighter fruit note mm-hmm. there. It doesn't hit you hard, though. It doesn't hit the nose hard. It's it's very warming. No. It's warm, kind of welcoming. I, I, I like the, it a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, being only that, 
80 proof that yeah. they did a good job it kind of tones it tones down the alcohol that comes in lets the other flavors absolutely smells but you can still tell it's a legit alcohol you can still get that kind of like el- ethanol yeah, alcohol you can still kind of taste it smell yeah. and taste you can really get that i'm gonna get a little bit on the tip of my tongue a little bit on the back of my throat and then let's get that let's get the taste going man what do you think it's good. I mean, it's you know, it's one, it's it's. I mean, honestly, it's one of my dailies that I like to drink. Um, it's one that won't. It's not gonna jump up at you. It's not gonna be super aggressive. Partially, again, like we were just saying, the proofage, but it's still one that's very smooth. It's very classic. It's not gonna be, and the flavors that are there are not gonna be offensive. Yeah, they're. I agree one hundred percent. Not offensive at all. You still get that floral. That floral uh, presence that you were getting in mm-hmm. the in, in the nose as well. Um, yeah, I think it's very balanced, very smooth, kind of even keeled across the board. Um, but it's still on the finish, still crisp, still has a little kick, um, little spicy kick there at the end. Lingers a little bit, but it's again, it's not a it's not a long, a harsh lingering. Yeah. It's soft. It's it makes yeah. you feel warm inside. It makes yeah. you feel good. And I think that's across the, you know the palate, the nose, the finish, uh, what have you. Kind of gives you um, that Southern Bell hug or oh whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You would call that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to get another one. Oh, yeah. Let's get another one in here. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff. That'll get you there, Andy. That I will. It, hell, uh, hell yeah. All right, Andy. Now that we did our tasting, let's get some quick final thoughts on Four Roses from you. Um, I mean, it's good brand. Good. Uh, yeah, I know it's kind of a tenuous history for them, and it's one that's a little bit shorter of a history, at least here in the United States, shorter of a history. Of but it's uh, definitely one of those brands I love. It's a classic brand, it's something that's not going to be offensive, like we were saying. And it's one that if you're ever in that Lawrenceburg area and you know are doing the bourbon trail and haven't stopped by yet there, uh, once all this coronavirus stuff is done and they're doing tours, definitely... You know, yeah. shameless plug to go uh, visit them. Yeah, it's a must see. Absolutely. You know, I I love this. I actually I mentioned multiple times. You kind of rolled your eyes at me earlier. There's a couple things about the brand I'm not crazy about. <laughs> yeah. But you know, even though I'm not, it's like I almost like didn't want to like Four Roses, but I can't help but you like. You can't not. I can't hate help it. but like them. Or you can't not love them. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, you know, the, the the their ability to overcome. This is clearly a brand yeah. that that has the fighting spirit in it. They're relentless, relentless. You know, their 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 perseverance is uh is exceptional and. Being able to go through all this adversity, being able to to you know not relent, and uh, being able to still remain at a great quality, where you have this great uh, this great brand, a great reputation, a great look there down in Lawrenceburg, and you have a product that again it tastes they, the taste is very good. It's they very let smooth. the product speak for itself more than anything. Absolutely, very smooth, very warm, very inviting, and it just shows uh, you really you know whether you're a person, whether you're a company, whether you're a, a, a bourbon brand, you really should never give up because again no. they weren't sold for forty years in America. And they were really Look, struggling and had all all this kind of controversy and all in all this uh, you know changing of hands and they, here they are still one of the um, most respected and, and clearly a yeah. very uh, uh, taste uh, tasty and uh, smooth bourbon that everyone seems mm-hmm. to really have a you know a, a fondness for. Yeah. Alrighty, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. 
All right, folks, that's it from us here this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe, leave a review, and listen to every episode of Distilled Discussions. Share it on social media. Uh, tell your friends about it. Drink together. Listen to it. Have a great week. Pour yourself another whiskey, America. And don't worry, we'll be here to drink with you next week. <laughs>